1: Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, week one is in the books. We are on to week two. You ready to talk about some games?
0: I am, yeah. There is some intrigue to the schedule. We got a couple teams that haven't played games yet that all of a sudden are cropping up on the slate. You got Virginia Tech, who hasn't played a game yet, who's not popping up on the slate for another week. So that makes me really frustrated. But then um, you have Notre Dame playing on USA, which is,
1: you know, something. <laughs> there, There is a lot going on with this ACC schedule this week. So well, let's put it this way, Mike. We have eight games to preview. Um, one of them is, is an FCS game as Clemson plays the Citadel. We'll hit that last. There's not much to say there. The other seven, I'm counting four games with spreads within eight points and three games with spreads outside of 20 points. And there is nothing in between. <laughs> A lot of variety, huh? A lot of variety. Yeah, there there is uh, some stuff to get into, and like you mentioned, there's a game on AB on uh, USA. There's multiple games being listed just straight up on ESPN three, which I didn't really think was a thing anymore with the ACC network. And I mean, can we not even get Jefferson Pilot these days? I don't even know. Like <laughs> Jefferson Pilot Sports, baby, Raycom Sports, give me some of that. And by the way, neither of those is the FCS game. Clemson, the Citadel, gets the ACC network, and yet multiple other games get ESPN three. So I don't get that. Lots, lots going on here. Lots to get into. Um, but let's let's jump right in, Mike. First big, you know, premier game of the weekend, coming off of College Game Day. Second weekend in a row, that the ACC gets College Game Day. It is going to be in Louisville, Kentucky this weekend. As the number seventeen Miami Hurricanes are a two and a half point road dog in Louisville against the number eighteen Louisville Cardinals under Scott Satterfield. Uh, again, close game, close spread. Two and a half point is two and a half points is the spread. Total is sixty four and a half. This is probably one of the first big premier matchups within the conference uh, this season you can see especially with you know some of the other things going on in college football why this would be the the spotlight game of the weekend you know for college game day and just in general close matchup I I struggle a little bit with what to do with this you know where do you go with this Mike what do you who do you feel like has an advantage here with these two teams that we haven't seen a ton of yet well, I think the key
0: matchup here um, is Louisville's rushing defense against Miami's rushing attack, right? So Miami comes out last weekend against UAB in that Thursday night game to kind of kick off the ACC season, so to speak. Miami rushes the ball 52 times for 337 yards in the victory, right? And the questions coming out of that game were about De'Ara King's ability to throw the football, Um deep vertically down the field, and he wasn't really tested against UAB at all. And I'm not sure that Louisville's got the defense to really test him in week two. But my question, just coming out of the Louisville-Western Kentucky game, was, look, how is Louisville's rushing defense going to translate the rest of the way? Like, if there was one area we could nitpick about Louisville's effort in Week One against Western Kentucky—it would have been the fact that Western Kentucky actually ran the ball okay. Um, they averaged about three point seven yards per carry. They had 119 yards on the ground, and they were able to keep themselves in the game for a little while doing that because they couldn't throw the ball all that well. Terrell Pigrome didn't have a good game through the air, and Western just kind of ran the ball and grinded it out for a while, and that's kind of how they hung around until Louisville pulled away in the second half. I wonder how Miami's rushing attack are coming off a 337-yard effort on the ground against UAB, going up against a Louisville defense that was okay but not great uh, against the run in week one, and they weren't really tested through the air in week one either. But meanwhile, you have a quarterback in the air came from Miami who's not necessarily going to challenge you through the air vertically. So what does this all look like? Like, that's the question, the biggest question I have coming into this game. Now, Louisville, on the other hand, offensively going up against Miami's defense, like Miami's got a very good defense, and they have now for a number of years under Manny Diaz. That hasn't been the question with Miami at all. Um, but can Louisville replicate the performance they just had offensively? Um, they, what, like Mikhail Cunningham, looked really good in the opener. He threw for over 330 yards. He looked really strong. Um he had a couple of really deep passes down the sideline that were really impressive. He, you know, he tested Western Kentucky's slot corners with a bunch of seam routes with tight ends and things like that. Like Louisville's passing offense looked much more efficient um, than I expected it to. And I, and I guess that's the best version of Louisville, right? Um, when they're throwing the ball like that, they're very tough to beat because they're going to get theirs on the ground with Javion Hawkins um, rushing the football. He does a very nice job for them in the backfield. So the, the, the question I really have is how well can Louisville stop Miami's rushing attack? Um, and I, I'm curious to see how Louisville is able to score against this Miami defense, because my gut feeling is that if Louisville is able to put up, I don't know, let's call it 21 to 28 points, right? Let's say they score three or four touchdowns against Miami's defense. That might be enough to win the football game, Joey, because I'm not entirely convinced that Miami can throw the ball well enough to beat Louisville. If Louisville's defense is able to bottle up the Miami rushing attack enough, I think they win the football game if they're able to get three or four touchdowns on the scoreboard. So that's kind of where I'm at with this game. I'm going to take Louisville to win. I, they're two-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm going to take them to win and cover here. I think they're the better team, number one. Um, at least they're the more well-rounded team offensively. I think their defense is good enough to get the job done. They don't have a great defense, but they have a decent enough defense that I think they'll be able to slow down Miami enough, and I think Miami is too one-dimensional too one at this point in time to really have a ton of confidence just to throw behind them. But then again, if they run for 330 yards again, Miami's probably winning the game. So we'll just kind of have to see how that part of it plays out. But I'm going to take a little to win.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is a game that I don't feel particularly good about, like, handicapping in, in a lot of ways. Um... And really, I guess from a macro level where I would start and, and what I was thinking about earlier today is just on a basic level, the Louisville offense versus the Miami defense is what you would call good on good. You know, that is a good offense against a good defense um, definitively. On the other side of the ball, you've got the Miami offense against the Louisville defense, which is what I would call functional on functional. Um, Neither unit is particularly well-refined or, or you know, highly functional at this point, but they can do some stuff. And as we talked about, Miami is going to lean on their running game, as they should, um, and it is a, game, a, a piece of their team that can be productive, but I don't know how consistently productive they can be. But at the same time, you're playing against a Louisville defense that left a lot to be desired last year. Get some folks back. We can you know, hope that there's going to be some some improvement here, but last week wasn't a, a complete you know, shining example of what they want to be. So there's a lot of questions here for both of these teams really to answer, I think. Um, I, I will say, I think with Miami and their offense, it, it is going to be a little bit more one-dimensional. As we mentioned, Derek King last week had a, a good number of problems throwing the ball down the field, accurately on time you know they, they were not a particularly productive offense in that in that way i mean it really almost entirely came from the running game which is also not extremely efficient it was very explosive and they were getting yards in chunks at times but in between there it was a lot of very small gains and that's the kind of thing that i think a defense that you would only qualify as functional is going to have the ability to hone in on and find a way to force Miami to throw the ball down the field. And I don't know, I can't trust Miami to win a game that way just yet. So that's a big a big key to me. The other key on the other side of it is that, again, you've got Louisville's good offense against Miami's good defense. I'm going to say Louisville's good offense has a little bit more continuity here early in the year than Miami's good defense does, which has a number of pieces to replace from last year. I think Louisville has some sort of an advantage. And so, Mike, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to take Louisville minus the two and a half. It's small favorite at home. Again, getting college game day, under the lights at night, 7.30, ABC, the whole thing. I don't know if I mentioned that before, by the way. I'm, I'm still not in midseason form. That This game is at 7.30 p.m. on ABC. Um, I'm going to take Louisville. I'm going to take Louisville to cover and win. Um, the total is 64 and a half at... Feels maybe a little bit high. Um, I could see this, you know, as you mentioned, like if Louisville scores 31 points, that might could be enough to win the game. And 31 points winning the game means that there's not getting to 64 and a half combined. So um, I'd lean under. I'm not going to make under an official pick, but I, I lean under in this game. I like Louisville to win and cover. Um, but I think this should be a really competitive game that really tells us a good amount about both of these teams and where they stand and helps set a, a, a tone for you know moving down the stretch here
0: I think we're I, th- I think we're at a coin flip situation on the spread like it wouldn't surprise me if Miami won inside a touchdown or if Louisville won inside a touchdown um, I think we're almost a coin flip territory there. I feel a lot better about the under in this game than I do about the point spread I think these teams are pretty evenly matched. Um, but I think as far as the total is concerned, that seems high to me. That seems high. I think they stay under, Joey. I think they stay under.
1: Now, I, I will call this out, is that one of the things we're going to make it an effort to do this year is separate between total leans versus total official picks. Do you, do you want to go ahead and put it on the record under 64.5 here, Mike? Let's put it on the record, Joey. All right, here we go. Writing it on the page. Under. Official. There you go. It's on the books. Um, I I think I'm going to roll with you here. I don't think this game gets super high scoring. The thing I, I will say, Mike, and again, again this is a, a pretty even matchup. I'm going to, again, I'm going to take the home team. I've got a couple of reasons I would lean with Louisville in this matchup. But this is a game that, like, a turnover, a, a bad bounce here or there, could make a pretty substantial difference in. Um and, and and one of the things I, I forgot to mention that I was going to bring up was, especially with Miami's defense going on Louisville's offense, Miami's defense has a pretty filthy pass rush with only about four guys. So as much as Louisville wants to throw the ball around, I don't know that we can trust that offensive line to protect Mikhail Cunningham forever, especially with guys like Quincy Roche coming at him to the point that, I mean, Louisville is going to have to scheme around that or do some things to get the ball out quicker I don't know if you can fully throw the ball down the field, so it's going to require a change in kind of their approach. This, I, I, Needless to say, Mike, I am fascinated with this whole matchup. I, I think I'm really curious to watch this game to see what happens because there is a lot of moving pieces here that I, I think really sets the table for a lot of what we're going to see for the rest of the year in the ACC. We're going to have
0: a lot more answers about both these teams coming out of this game for sure. Um, just, Having a better sense of what these two teams are and what their strengths and weaknesses are and, you know, how much of what they put on display in week one against inferior opponents was real and how much of it was just the fact that they were playing inferior opponents. They were just running what worked. Um, I think we're going to get the answers to
1: that. Yep. Yeah, so this will be very telling. this This is the game, if you can't watch any other football all weekend, even if your team is playing, but if you really want to understand the ACC for the rest of the year, this is by far the game to watch all weekend within the conference. So um, this is this is appointment viewing if you're if you're looking for something to watch. So 730 ABC check this one out. Uh, we've both got Louisville covering the two and a half and the under 64 and a half but again close close game here. It should be fun to watch. Uh, let's keep moving Mike. Noon on the ACC network the Syracuse Orange a mere 21 and a half point favorite on the road taking on the number two. they are not a favorite, Joey. Syracuse is not a favorite. What the, did I say that? You did. It's been a long week, Mike. Uh, they are a 21.5-point dog in the Steel City, taking on the number 25 Pittsburgh Panthers at Heinz Field. This is, again, on noon on the ACC Network. Total is 50.5. Syracuse looked like a whole bag of ass last week. <laughs> um, do we feel like they can close that gap even, like, a little bit? and make this a little bit of a game? I don't think so.
0: <laughs> um, I, I'm I'm concerned about Syracuse a little bit, as much as I don't want to take away too much from Week 1, just because you don't always know what you got in Week 1. Some teams may be a little bit overrated, and you, know, you really don't want to try to glean too much because it is just one game, and you don't really know what teams are going to be coming out of Week 1. Like, We know North Carolina is going to be good, right? And Syracuse, let's talk about the pros and cons real quick, just just to recap. Pros, Syracuse was in the game for three quarters. Cons, they got boat raced in the fourth quarter. Um, Now, with that being said, Pittsburgh's offense is not quite as good as North Carolina, as it's fair to say. Um, But their defense is better. Their defense is certainly better than North Carolina's. I'd put Pittsburgh's defense up against any anybody's in the conference. Now, that's why I worry about Syracuse in this game. Tommy DeVito last year, the issue that the issues that Syracuse had revolved around their quarterback and the the rest of the offense. The offensive line was particularly good. Skill position guys were okay when Tommy DeVito got them the ball. Tommy DeVito was not good in Week One against a good North Carolina defense. He's going up against one of the best defenses in the conference. A maybe. better, a better Pittsburgh defense. A better Pittsburgh defense. I'm worried about Tommy DeVito here, Joey. Mm-hmm. Big time.
1: Yeah. Big time. Pray for Tommy um, DeVito.
0: Pray for Tommy DeVito. That <laughs> Pittsburgh front seven against this Syracuse offensive line. Good God, cover your eyes territory. Mm-hmm. Like this could be real, real rough for Syracuse. They're gonna have to get the ball out quick. Tommy DeVito has a tendency to hold on to the ball a little bit too long, as we saw really all of last year and throughout the performance last week against North Carolina. I'm really worried about Syracuse here, Joey. And I'm going to be honest with you, 21.5 is a lot of points. And I don't love betting with the favorite on big spreads. I'm betting the favorite here, Joey. I like Pitt to win and cover here, 21.5. And I'm not even sure it's going to be particularly close on the cover. I think this could be a real, real ugly game for Syracuse just because I'm not comfortable with Syracuse's offense against this Pittsburgh defense. I think Pittsburgh could get into enough of a rhythm offensively to make this game not really all that competitive. So I like Pitt to win and cover here. I think we're going to learn a lot about Syracuse if they're able to hang around against Pittsburgh. Maybe we start feeling a little bit better about Syracuse's defense given what they were able to do against North Carolina in the first three quarters in week one, maybe we start feeling a little bit better about the defense for Syracuse. Maybe Pittsburgh struggles to get going offensively. I just don't see it. I'm not, I'm not necessarily buying the Syracuse defense. I think North Carolina's offense just kind of got off to a little bit of a slow start because what I saw in the fourth quarter out of North Carolina's offense last week, I think is something that can be repeatable against Syracuse's defense the rest of the season, no matter what offense is on the schedule. So gimme pit, winning cover, not sure Syracuse scores a touchdown. That's where I'm at with this.
1: Mike, you're you're a nineties kid and you're you're a big football fan. I am. And so I would I, ass- I would assume that you have seen the popular motion picture Adam Sandler's The Water Boy. That's correct. Um, do you re- do you recall the scene in The Waterboy where uh, Adam Sandler's character is visualizing the offensive line, looking at him, singing "What? Or sucks? It really, really sucks." Yep. And then the quarterback behind the offensive line is like crying, like terrified at how Adam Sandler is going to react to this. Bobby Boucher is is coming after that ass. Yep. I, I'm wondering if we get to the third quarter before Tommy DeVito is at that terrified, like crumbling status of. Just begging his offensive line to do anything to protect him against this nasty Pittsburgh front. Um, This this sets up so poorly for that offense.
0: He's in the shotgun, like shaking.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't know what to do here. Um, Look, Pittsburgh again offensively looked pretty good last week against Austin P. and Syracuse's defense looked pretty good. For forty minutes, and then got totally avalanched by North Carolina's offense last week. I I will say, as you mentioned, you know, you're not so sure if you're buying into Syracuse's defense. I'm I'm kind of buying into Syracuse's defense. I. I from watching what I saw, that was not like a fluky performance necessarily. I mean, they were, they were covering the receivers pretty effectively. They were bottling up the run pretty effectively. I think the Syracuse defense could legitimately be pretty good this year from what I saw just in week one for 40 minutes before, again, the dam broke and you know everything happened after that. But I think that's a pretty good sign. I also don't know for sure that I'm buying that this Pittsburgh offense is some high octane scoring machine at this point either just because they put up 55 points on a you know above average FCS team. So uh, that's something to you know kind of ponder but at the same time I have no confidence whatsoever that the Syracuse offensive line is going to pro- protect Tommy DeVito I have no confidence that they are going to be able to really do much of anything against this Pittsburgh defense. Like you're holding up the number zero with your hands right now. Yeah. This could be shutout out territory. Um, and, yeah. and so I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and roll with Pittsburgh in the 21 and a half. I'm going to give those points. I'm with you. I don't feel good about it. That is a boatload of points to give up, but I don't see where Syracuse is scoring in this game. This is, unless something drastically changes from what we saw last week. But more importantly, Mike, I am right there with you. The under, like, certainly I don't see Syracuse scoring more than 10 points in this game. Like, it's maybe 13, something like that. And I also don't know that Pitt is going to be some offensive juggernaut that's going to get you all the way past the 50-point mark. So I'm going to go with the under. That's an official pick for me as well. Yep. Yep. I yeah I think we're we're on the same page here. Take Pittsburgh, give the twenty one and a half, and then take the under. Um, I, I think more importantly, take the under than Pittsburgh. But if you need to play it both ways, I, I think that's the way to go.
0: I could see Pittsburgh winning this game like twenty eight to six. Yeah, you're at the under and Cover Town, and I you know Pittsburgh scoring four touchdowns against Syracuse would not exactly be like you know earth shattering groundbreaking i hope you're sitting down for this news yeah. like i don't see, i don't really see that happen you know what i mean like that wouldn't shock me um so i am with you i love the under like i love the under yeah joey this is pick of the week too. i don't think so much yeah i i love the under
1: i'm with you i'm with you all right Pitt. All right. Minus 21.5, and the under is the pick there. Let's move on here, Mike. 8 o'clock on the ACC Network, the other primetime game. Uh, the Wake Forest Steam and Deeks, a 2.5-point dog. They are an underdog. On the road, all the way, way over in Raleigh, North Carolina. It's about a 40-mile drive. Taking on the NC State Wolfpack. Pack. Uh, total's 52.5. Uh, Mike, I'm just going to start out here. I, You know... There, there seems to be something in this early in this season, something to the idea of teams that have played have an advantage over teams that have not played. And I realize how much Wake has to replace, and I realize that NC State has a bunch of guys coming back and they're getting healthy and all this stuff. Does it? I, I'm not going to ask the question because there's it's a loaded question. I'm just going to tell you, I think the wrong team's favored here. I agree. I, I got. I, Wake, I got Wake on the field. Give me Wake money line in this game to win the game outright in Raleigh.
0: Wake money line might be, uh, you know, we'll see towards the end of this podcast show. I don't want to just call my shot here early. Wake Forest money line might be the pick of the week. And NC the two and a half. Yeah, NC State. Like, who's your quarterback? Who's your quarterback, Devin Leary? Devin Leary, right? The guy that couldn't complete fifty percent of his passes last year, that's your quarterback, right? Just make sure. Is that just I mean, in.
1: is that what when you spun the wheel of NC State quarterbacks, is that what it came up on or
0: oh. <laughs> it's like, oh, uh, who was it this week? I, I feel like a year ago it was just like
1: it was like, Yeah, spin the wheel. It's like,
0: oh, Matthew McKay, okay, your turn, buddy. Like, right put down put down the clipboard, you're in the game. Find your helmet. Like yeah. that was NC State last year, quarterback. They're back, Joey. I don't, I don't like to overthink things here. I know we're supposed to give analysis on this podcast. NC State hasn't played a game yet. We really don't know what they're going to be this year, but I know what they were last year, and they were terrible. They're likely starting a quarterback who didn't
1: complete 50% of his passes last year. We're in the FBS. We're in the ACC. Your quarterback needs to complete 50% of his passes. And and we're coming off a, a week in which Wake Forest stared down Clemson coming into their own house and uh, – managed to cover, which is previously an unthinkable thing for Wake Forest in that matchup. Um, I don't know how much longer Sam Hartman can stay healthy for without missing time or a game or two. Um, You know, there's a lot of questions I still have about Wake Forest, but I think honestly, you know, with with questions that we have about this team all, all year, both of these teams going into the year, The thing that I'm going to use to separate these two, honestly, Mike, is something that I've talked about before is I'm just going to sit there and pick which team I like and trust the coaching staff more of. And at this point, I don't know if you've heard my thoughts on Dave Doran or not, but I'm I'm not the biggest Dave Doran guy in the world. Yeah, it's safe to say. Uh, yeah, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna roll with Dave Clausen. I'm gonna roll with Wake Forest. Close spread, you know, two teams that have a lot of questions to answer. I don't have a good way of separating them at all. I guess it's technically a road game, but it's forty miles away and there's not gonna be fans in the stand anyways, so I you know, at that point, coaching staffs, I'm gonna take Dave Clausen every time. I'm not I am not gonna sit there and roll with Dave Doran, when I don't have a lot of reason to be real confident in his team. And maybe I'm proven wrong, and maybe NC State is low-key back and the bar, or better, even. But I haven't seen that yet.
0: And you know what? Sam Hartman threw for 182 yards against a really good Clemson defense last year. So, I mean, last year, I mean last week. It feels like last year. It's been a long year, Joey. Um, He throws for 182 yards last week, and... Look, NC State's defense is not
1: clumsy, so eh, give me wake. I think so. Uh so we'll both take Wake Moneyline. Uh total's fifty two and a half. Uh no opinion. No opinion. I I mean could lean under maybe. That's that's not even that high scoring a game and I I don't feel strongly about either offense or defense. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave that total alone, I think.
0: I'm probably not touching the total either. Um, I mean, part of the problem here is, like, we don't know what NCC is going to be here. Like, we don't know if they're going to score at all. I'm not too confident they will. I don't know. I don't know. Yep. But I think we're good enough to win the game.
1: Yep, I agree with that. All right, Mike, let's move on. Boston College at noon on ESPN 3 which I I guess we're still doing games on ESPN3 in the year of our Lord 2020, despite there's only, like, 15 college football games at all in the AC... Anyways, Boston College, a a five-and-a-half-point dog on the road in Durham, taking on the Duke Blue Devils. The Jeff Halfley era begins. uh, Duke coming off of a a (coughs) loss, but an honorable loss, we'll say, to the Notre Dame Fighting Irish uh, last week. I... I have no idea how to handicap this game. I guess it maybe just depends on what you think of Boston College. Kind of modulated by the fact that Duke already played a game and Boston College hasn't. Do you have any strong opinions here? Yeah, they couldn't have flexed this to, like, the big noon game on Fox.
0: <laughs> I mean, what's up with that? Big replaced like Yeah, just have it replace, like, Michigan State playing Rutgers or something.
1: That, that's a, sure.
0: This is way
1: more watchable than that. Yeah. I think. We're, we're sure, right? I think we're sure. I, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. That, I think we might
0: be sure. Okay, we might be sure. So that's a declaration. If Michigan State were playing Rutgers this week, Boston College and Duke would be more watchable. That's one take. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's the right take, but it's a take. Give them what they come here for, Mike. That's that's right. They come for uh, impassioned, made-up Big Ten game analysis. Okay, <laughs> BC and Duke. I don't know what Boston College is. Do you? Not a clue. I don't know what they are. Do you, um, Let me ask
1: you this. Let me. Ask, do do yeah. you know what Boston College's coaching staff is?
0: No, but I do know that Jeff Hathaway
1: is the head coach now. So that's a start. That that's. I mean, you can like identify him in a police lineup, I guess, but like. <laughs> That's about sure. the most we know about it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that's about it. And uh, Phil Jakovic at quarterback, ND transfer, former four-star recruit. I mean, we think we know what he should be, right? But he's now playing at Boston College. It's the same questions we had about Chase Bryce transferring from Clemson to Duke. Going into the game last week against Notre Dame, we were like, you know what? What is Duke going to be this year? Oh, it's going to hinge on Chase Bryce. What do we know about Chase Bryce? We know that he beat Syracuse one time, and he's a good garbage-time quarterback behind Trevor Lawrence, and that's about it. He looked good in week one against Notre Dame. Notre Dame's got a very good defense. He hung in there and held his own. Mm -hmm. He got his ass beat because Duke's Duke's offensive line against Notre Dame's defensive front was a losing proposition from the get-go. But you look at Boston College's defense, I'm not sure they're going to be able – in fact, I'm convinced – they're not going to be able to put pressure on Chase Bryce like Notre Dame did last week. I think that was a big reason why Duke's offense didn't score more points against Notre Dame's defense is because Chase Bryce was trying to find his mouthpiece in the dirt after every other play. Mm -hmm. I think what Duke has to their advantage this week, and we just mentioned this with some of the other games, is that they already have a game under their belt, Joey. Mm -hmm. Boston College, new quarterback, new coach. It's their week one. They haven't played a game yet. Duke's got the benefit of going up against one of the top five to ten teams in the country on the road last week and held their own. I like Duke here. Don't touch the spread because I just don't know what Boston College is going to be, and neither do you. So do not touch the spread. Um, I'm not totally convinced that this game goes over 52. Once again, I feel better about the overs and the unders here. In, in the early weeks of the season, as these teams start to break in new offenses, new coaching staffs, new quarterbacks, they're coming out of a COVID offseason, lean under on a lot of these totals. Um, I'm going to lean under here. I'm not betting this game at all, Joey. I'm not
1: touching it from a
0: betting perspective. I think Duke wins. I have no idea what the point spread's going to be. I'll lean under, but don't bet it.
1: Yeah, important distinction is that we, we do go out of our way to make a pick – Against the spread in every ACC game of the week, you know, other than FCS matchups where we don't really get a spread, you know, more than twenty four hours beforehand. Um, so we we are going to make a spread pick, but this is not necessarily a recommendation that you bet that game in that way. Um, I I'm I'm with you. I I think. I'm just going to take Duke to cover five and a half. You know, again, they played pretty admirably against a team that had them way outgunned last week on the road. And now this week they're going to go play a team that is much more comparable from a talent standpoint, and they're at home. So I think that's a good sign. You've also got a very established coaching staff, you know, especially with an offense that has some things to – some things to kind of sort out and, and get some timing and rhythm down on. Like, so if this is not a finished product of a Duke offense, we'll say, but they're going against a Boston college defense. And I was going to say this, I watched Georgia tech from 2018 to 2019 go from an, a pretty abysmal defense to a, a functional to above average defense. So I, I recognize that there can be a pretty substantial jump in production from a change in coaching staff without a a drastic change in talent level. What I don't think I would say is that Boston College can go from what they were last year to a really above average this year, like really like top 30 level. That's not going to happen because this unit was so bad a year ago. It was a total nightmare. So... I, I'm trying to, like, just process all of this general information. And so if it sounds like a stream of consciousness, it kind of is. The long and short of it is, Mike. I'm going to take Duke to cover five and a half. It's inside of a score. I, I like I, – I think Cutcliffe and Bryce and all these guys in the offense, they're going to figure something out. I, I guess under on the total, maybe that's a bet on – just Boston College offensive kind of working on pulling it all together still again in year one. But I I don't have a lot of strong feelings on this. I, if I had, if you put a gun to my head and I had to bet it, I would bet Duke 5.5. And, and if you made me bet the total, I would probably bet the under. But nobody's making me do either of those things, so I'm not going to.
0: Yeah, and I guess my official my official pick there is Duke minus five and a half as well. And Joey, I I li- like to take a, a minute to just talk about how we battled through adversity in Please the do. early part Please of this do. podcast. Yeah, we we had to pause the recording because apparently my microphone was buzzing. It was so yeah. if you guys heard that, let's just elephant in the room. My microphone was buzzing. I don't know why it was doing that. Joey's lights just went out in his room while he was recording, and he just finished his thought. We're fighting through adversity here. It's ACC after dark here on a Wednesday night show.
1: <laughs> we are in early season four, Mike. There, there is a lot of stuff going on, and we are just playing through it. And uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's 2020, so we're, we're, we're used to it at this point. You just make it up as you go and assume that nobody knows anything different. That's right. All right. Uh, Mike, that's all I got on conference action. You ready to move on to non-conference action? <laughs>
0: Well, we got a few big games here, Joey, and I, I call them big because I don't really know what's going to happen with some of
1: them. Well, well, they're all big in their own ways. One of them in terms of importance and significance, the other three in terms of spread. So, uh, Correct. Let's we'll start with the importance and significance. Uh, at 3.30 on ABC, fresh off a win in Tallahassee over the Florida State Seminoles, the 1-0, my, and our Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets led by our quarterback, Jeff Sims, Mike. Uh, they are hosting the number fourteen UCF Knights in Atlanta. Georgia Tech a seven and a half point home favorite, home dog, because once again we're still in early season form. We're not. We got this figured out. Uh, Georgia Tech a seven and a half point dog at home to the number fourteen UCF Knights. This is a game again. UCF has not played a game yet, and I, we before we jumped on here and started recording. I, I kind of went on another, like, form of stream of consciousness to you of, like, how many things about this game and about UCF that I just don't have any concept of at all, to the point that I, again, I cannot recommend betting this game in any given direction. Like, there is so much going on here. So we can sit here and talk about perception of Georgia Tech after winning in week one and, and all the hype around Jeff Sims and all these things. We can also talk about UCF is ranked, um, but they haven't played a game yet. And also they get their quarterback back, but they lost like 12 dudes to opting out. And the defense might not be all that good. And I don't know if they've really gotten any better in the last few years since uh, Scott Frost left and Josh Heupel's taken over. Like, there are so many moving pieces here that I kind of have no idea what to make of this game on Saturday. You tell me, Mike, if I'm making too much of a big deal out of this. I, I don't
0: know. I mean, I I don't know what UCF is. Like, on paper, they're a better team than Georgia Tech, but they also have lost a lot, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and I'm not saying, like, they just lost a lot to graduation or whatever. They've lost a lot to, like, COVID opt-outs and weird stuff going Everything. on. Everything. Like, there's a lot of weirdness going on with UCF that makes you – really just not all that confident picking them in any sort of capacity in week one, except for the fact that they're playing Georgia Tech. And ordinarily you'd say, you know what, on paper, man, you know what, that's a that's a big fat loss for Georgia Tech. That was before Jeff Sims, their true freshman quarterback, went out, accounted for 300, over 300 all-purpose yards in his first collegiate football start against a Florida State defense that we thought was going to be far better than it showed, right? This is a very interesting game now. Um, I don't know what UCF is. I know that they've been pretty consistent now for about five years. They've been a really good football program. They were good under. They were great under Scott Frost. They've still been very good under Josh Heidel. Like this is not a team that's all of a sudden just like fallen off the cliff since Frost left. They've been really good. They've stayed relevant. Their offense has been really fun. Defense is. You know, like you mentioned, nothing to necessarily write home about, but good enough. I wonder if UCF is being underrated a little bit just because of all the offseason storylines that we've had to deal with. I get that they're not underrated from a ranking standpoint. They're a top 15 team in the country, and they're returning a lot, and they have a good team. But I feel like these offseason storylines have kind of distorted the narrative of this game a little bit. I like Georgia Tech to cover here. I can't believe I'm saying that, though. Um, I don't want to overrate Georgia Tech's week one performance, but the issue that we had with Georgia Tech last year was offensively. We had a lot of questions about what the offense was going to look like, number one, from a scheme standpoint, and number two, who the quarterback was going to be, right? they've answered both of those questions in week one against the Florida state team that you and I both expect will actually be pretty good by the end of the year. Maybe we end up being totally wrong with that. But again, I was really impressed with Georgia tech's offense defense continues to be pretty good. And I think UCF has enough questions on defense that Jeff Sims offensively for Georgia tech can kind of lift them up and make this game a little bit more interesting than it once was on paper. I'm going to take Georgia Tech here um, to cover. I think UCF wins the game. Again, I would lean under with the total. 61.5 feels like a ton, especially when you don't know what UCF is going to be because of all the questions with COVID, opt-outs, etc. cetera. I just don't know what UCF is going to be in week one. Maybe we're overrating all these offseason storylines. Maybe we're not. I think UCF's the better team. I think they win the game. I also think Georgia Tech has a chance to make things really interesting given what they were able to do in week one last week. Don't bet it, but lean Georgia Tech.
1: Yeah, I'm seeing 62 as the total. And, yeah, I'm with you. I I think that's maybe my favorite thing about this game is the under. Um, Georgia Tech defensively, I think, is, again, is even better than they were last year. Which was, you know, pretty decent, and and that's even before you account for the fact that they kind of ran out of gas late in the year when the offense just couldn't get first downs and the defense was on the field the entire game. So, um, I, I like Georgia Tech defensively here. I I like them again. I, I'm I think I'm with you here. Uh, Georgia Tech plus the seven and a half. Um, if nothing, I, I I pick UCF to win. I think UCF is the better team and the better program in general, but. Georgia Tech's a team that is going to find a way, I think, to keep this at least close, keep it maybe low scoring, that kind of thing. Back door might be open late in the game, that kind of thing. Um, Love it when the back door open, baby. That's right. That's right. ACT uh, after dark. Uh, you said it all, Mike. Um, the but at the same time, I it I, I mean, I just don't know that I see at this point a team that is even comparably talented to Georgia Tech, like just totally running away with a game. Um, I think Georgia Tech is good enough to keep this thing close. Um, I, I'm i going to take UCF to win, but I, I like Georgia Tech to cover seven and a half outside of a touchdown. I, I, I'll i take those points every time, but I'm going to actually make the under an official play of mine for this week. Uh, so I'm going to add that on. I think just a general principle here early in the season is going to be Georgia Tech unders because as you saw last week, the offense, as good as it looked, and they rolled up something like 430 yards and all this stuff, they came away with 16 points, Mike. Like, they, they turned it over a couple times. Like, there's there's things that still have to be worked out. So they can move the ball and do some things, but they might not necessarily get a ton of points out of it. Um, and I like the defense to kind of give teams some problems, force a couple three-and-outs, a couple negative plays here or there. So I'm going to go with some lower scoring games here for Georgia Tech, at least earlier in the year until you see some consistency from the offense. So I'll take the seven and a half points. I think UCF wins a close one, but I certainly, the the thing that I'm really in on here is I like the game to go under the 62 and a half. I think that's way too many points. I I think it's lower scoring and and closer than that. Agree. Agree. Um, I can make it a play, but I can see where you're coming from. So it's a lean for you, not a play. It's a lean for me, Jack. All right, we'll leave you off the page then. All right, let's move on. Uh, 2.30 on the USA Network, as God intended college football games to be. Uh, Your number seven Notre Dame Fighting Irish, Mike, are a 25.5 point home favorite against Mr. Jeff Scott's South Florida Bulls, uh, who have not played a game yet. Um, are, Are you up for a challenge, Mike?
0: I'm up for a challenge. I, I would like to say real quick before we get into that challenge hmm. that Notre Dame's contract with NBC is so important that they got bumped for the U.S. Open and they're now playing on USA this Saturday. So that's how important that television contract do is not, NBC.
1: Do not give me crap about the importance of Notre Dame to NBC. Give me a friggin' break, A. B, Mike, the challenge to you is explain to me how UCF is going to keep this game even kind of close.
0: Well, UCF is playing Georgia Tech. I'll tell you what USF's going to Whatever, here, the other
1: directional Florida. We, this is not – you know what we're talking about. That's fine. Whatever. They're going They're going to ride the four. aura. They're going to ride the
0: aura of Charlie Weiss Jr., the prodigy. <laughs> the prodigy Lord. of the Charlie Weiss who I think you just finished up collecting paychecks from Notre Dame like 15 minutes ago, the prodigy, Charlie Weiss Jr., the 27-year-old offensive coordinator for Jeff Scott, in game one of his college football experience in South Florida, is going to find a way to score enough points to cover 26
1: against Notre Dame. Right? Uh... Let's, okay, so how many we think Notre Dame's going to score? 31? Higher. More. So USF has to score more than five points. Um, yes. Hmm. Let's see what uh, SP Plus has to say about that. And mm. it's... Uh, again, early season form. Yeah, Jeopardy. Yeah, the whole thing. Uh, we USF to cover. We've got SP Plus from Bill Conley says Notre Dame wins by 22.6, which is not quite the uh, 26 point margin or 25 and a half. So we're going to say South Florida covers by a field goal, SP Plus. Sure, doesn't inspire a whole lot of confidence, does it, Joey? No, no, um, no. I think this is a name your score game for Notre Dame. So I, I think it is too.
0: Um, Kyron Williams, he was really impressive last week against Duke. Um, Notre Dame's sophomore running back, really strong performance. Had like, you know, that really ridiculous long catch, and then had his way on the ground. I mean, running for over hundred yards, getting in the end zone a couple times. I think he has his way with South Florida's defense. I think Jeff Scott has a really, really rough opening to mm-hmm. his tenure at South Florida. I'm going to take Notre Dame um, to cover here, Joey. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I agree with you. I think it's a name-your-score game. 26 is a huge spread. Ordinarily, I would say lean with that spread, but I just don't. Love the matchup for South Florida. I feel bad, in a way, for Charlie Weiss Jr. Having to grow up in South Bend and then having to coach against Notre Dame and just getting his teeth kicked in, in his first game as South Florida's offensive coordinator, but I think that's where we're heading here. I think Notre Dame wins. I think they cover. I think I'm going to make that a pick, Joey. I can't believe I'm saying that with that spread. I think I'm going to make it a
1: pick. The, uh... wait, the, the the pick to cover? Yeah. Okay, all right. I'm with you, um, and it's I, – I don't feel good about it again. Like, giving up almost four touchdowns, <laughs> like, doesn't ever feel good. But I, I don't have a lot to believe in in South Florida. Again, going into South Bend uh, against a team that's already played a game and that has you completely outgunned. And South Florida being a team that last year was not – a sight for sore eyes. Um, I, I don't have a lot of good things to say about South Florida for now. Give it a month or a year or something, and I might. But for right now, I don't. So I guess if I have to pick against a spread, I'll take Notre Dame to cover 25 and a half, almost four scores. The thing is, the total is 49 in this game. That is low for a big spread like that. And yet... I can't really recommend which way you might bet that, because... I can't either.
0: I can't either, because I don't know how much USF's going to score. Um, I think Notre Dame could... Let's, Let's talk about Clemson. Like, Clemson jumped out to a huge lead against Wake Forest, and then you know what they did? they basically sat on their thumb the entire second half because they were like, we're out to a huge lead. We're going to pull all our starters. We're going to DJ ukulele work. We're going to – I mean, it was just they, –
1: They didn't even put it in cruise control. They put it in neutral. Like, they are just neutral. literally coasting.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were like, okay, when's this game end? They were just, like, watching the time tick off the clock because there was no way Wake Forest was going to move the football. Checking to see um, how the we...
1: late the local restaurants were open, that whole thing. Yeah.
0: Right. Right.
1: Which is a fair question in
0: a COVID environment. like What time do restaurants open and close? Plenty of fair questions on the sideline. That's why everyone had their cell phones out as a whole thing.
1: Every day, Mike. Every day. <laughs> right.
0: Um, I Yeah, I'm with you on the total. I have no idea. Um, wouldn't necessarily recommend touching it. I, I guess if you think Notre Dame's going to win by a, a million, I, I guess you take the over. But I don't, also don't know how much USF's going to score. Charlie Weiss Jr., for what it's worth, he engineered um, a couple of pretty decent offenses at Florida Atlantic under Lane Kiffin. So it's not totally unheard of that like USF's offense will look decent. Um, This isn't like, okay, he's 27 years old and doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Like he's, he's got a couple years of experience as an offensive coordinator under Lane Kiffin. He's looked, I mean, he's, he knows what he's doing. So it's not like it's going to be a reflection on, oh, this kid's 27. What the hell? He's in way over his head. That's not the case with Charlie Weiss Jr., but I think they're just totally outmatched, um, and Notre Dame's defense is pretty good, and that front seven is pretty elite. I just don't, I don't love the matchup for South Florida here, and I'm not sure how much they score, which is why I guess you better hope Notre Dame does most of the scoring there to get over the over the total. I don't know.
1: Mike, how old are you? I'm 28. Do you know what the hell you're doing? No. I rest my case. He must not either. You're right. Good, he must not either. Good moment in podcast history. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, again, his his name is Weiss, so he might be an offensive genius in college football terms. I mean, who knows? He, he might be, but right. In, until I know that he is, I I can't bet on his otherwise unproven team to cover twenty eight against Notre Dame. So, and it's only twenty five. Yeah, it's he... hell twenty eight. Whatever. I don't care. Is he smart enough to get
0: thirty million dollar buyout from South Florida? Cause almost that'd be pretty cool. His yeah. dad figured that out. I, you know, say what you want about Charlie Weiss, You figure he's got the he's got the buyout thing down. We, so if you need a buyout, you guy.
1: <laughs> we all learned some old uh, some uh, lessons from our old man, Mike. That's that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's for right. sure. Uh, all right. Notre Dame minus 25 and a half if you must, but probably just leave it alone. Uh, last one that I've got to spread on, Mike. Number 12, North Carolina at home. A 29 and a half point favorite against the Charlotte 49ers, otherwise known as the UNC Charlotte 49ers. Uh, so this is the battle to see who the real UNC is, I suppose. Uh, should the Charlotte Tar Heels feel any threat here?
0: Yes. No, I'm just kidding. God, no.
1: That, that caught God, me off no. guard, yeah.
0: Yeah. Charlotte's quarterback... Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Charlotte's quarterback, Chris Reynolds, is not playing in this game. He's got upper body injury, so he's out. So, Charlotte is now starting an NC Central transfer, Dom Schaffner. And he's going to be the starting quarterback for Charlotte in this football game. Um, Charlotte's got a couple players on the defensive side of the football. They're actually pretty decent. Um, they don't boast like a great front seven but it's like good enough um I, I just don't think against an NCAA, uh, North Carolina offense it's really going to matter um this is a North Carolina name your score game North Carolina minus anything I like the tar heels to win and cover here 29s a lot of points um Charlotte is playing a backup quarterback don't love it
1: my my analysis is Charlotte currently 0 and one. They are going into this game. They are going to be six days removed from a 15 point loss to App State in Boone. So yeah, I'll give 29 and a half with North Carolina. Yep. I, it, I'm not going to overcomplicate it. Once again, nope. Big spreads don't love giving that many points. Yet, I don't know if that that's enough if you're Charlotte. North
0: Carolina scored 21 points in the fourth quarter last week against Syracuse. How many points do you think they score in the first quarter this week, more or less?
1: 21? Uh, you said. Yep. I'll go. I'm going to go with a push. I'm going to go with a push.
0: Okay. Well, even if you go, that's fine. And even if you go with a the push, they're about three quarters of the way there to cover. So, And,
1: and, and this, is, this is actually the thing about this game that I actually find interesting from a gambling perspective is the thing that I was going to mention about the Notre Dame-USF game, the spread there is 26. The total is 49. In, the general theory is in some of these games where it's a huge spread and a low total, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to bet the over because the idea is that one of those teams can probably score that total by themselves. I don't know that I necessarily believe that in the Notre Dame USF game so I I don't know what to believe with that total do I believe that North Carolina could score 60 by themselves on Charlotte yeah I think I do yep I think I do so I'm gonna take the over in that game I'm gonna make that a play of mine on the sheet uh Mike you're welcome to join me you're welcome to not join me if you're not so sure I'm not sure
0: okay. I'm gonna leave I'm gonna leave all these bets alone in this game But I do think North Carolina
1: covers. I mean, never bet a thirty-point betting a thirty-point spread is a dangerous game. Super dangerous. Certainly, if 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 Charlotte scores like ten points, I feel real good about that over. I I don't think they're gonna have a lot of answers for North Carolina's offense. So agree, fifty-two to ten get you there. So there's that. Yeah, I mean, I
0: give the great gambling advice in week two of Hey, don't really. I I wouldn't bet thirty-point spreads. In week one, I bet Clemson minus thirty-three. So, I mean, maybe I should take my own advice.
1: Yeah. Well, speaking of which, uh, finally, 4 o'clock in the ACC Network, the number one Clemson Tigers are, I assume, a favorite over the Citadel. And uh, the Citadel given a grand total of a 0.2% chance to win this game by the uh, ESPN FPI Index. Um, Mike, do you feel like that is being a little bit generous to the Citadel? These aren't your grandfather's Bulldogs. They beat Georgia Tech last year. Uh, How did I know that was going to come up? You knew that was coming. I knew. I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. Clemson Um, minus (laughs) anything by a million. To the moon, the whole thing.
0: Yes. Um, What are the chances that Trevor Lawrence plays
1: the second half of this game? Not. uh, Well, like, how much of the second half? Like, a drive?
0: Yeah, let's talk like past the ten minute mark of the third quarter.
1: Ooh. Um, who wins the coin toss?
0: <laughs> oh, we're going real deep into this. Huh? <laughs>
1: that's that's what we gotta dig in, because if Clemson gets the ball coming out of halftime, I I don't know that he's making past ten minutes.
0: Yeah, so that's the uh and, Yeah. I'm I'm gonna leave that joke right there. But um Clemson, <laughs> Clemson I was gonna say Clemson wins the toss and defers. Um, and that would mean that they get the ball to start the second half. So does Trevor Lawrence make it past one drive in the second half? No. No, he doesn't. That's, no. That's correct. That's correct. No. Now, now, whatever whatever the spread is that you find at your local bookie, if you're thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to bet it, don't. And here's why. Pittsburgh played Austin P last weekend and won 55 to nothing or whatever the hell it was, Joey. And there was no action on the game because they went 10 minutes a quarter in the second half um, with a running clock. And you have to have at least 50 minutes of action in a football game, right? Is it 50 minutes of action to? Uh,
1: 55, I think.
0: 55. You have to have at least 55 minutes of game action um, in order to be paid out. And they didn't get there. And maybe Clemson does a little handshake agreement that happens. You know what? Running clock. And then you're screwed on your bet no matter how much
1: Clemson is winning by. So just keep that in mind. This is the only way that Dabo could legitimately find himself on the hot seat is continuing to not cover spreads that he has no real good excuse to not cover. Booster's not going to like that. No. Shout shout out. I'm not going to like that. Yeah. Shout out Scott Van Pelt and Stanford Steve for uh, pointing out (laughs) that Pitt had the spread covered by halftime, but the action was canceled because the running clock and shortened second half. uh, We didn't even notice that, by the way, that we took the bad beats segment on Monday to find that out. So uh, go ACC to that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I mean, Clemson by a million. I, I, I mean, you. I guess the Citadel could run the ball enough and milk the clock and shorten the game. I'm seeing Clemson minus 45. That's that's fine. We'll just go with that. <laughs> just whatever. Can we put can we put that one down in like black ink for me on
0: yeah. the paper and I'll make that I'll make that a pick.
1: Yeah. Um, put
0: the mortgage on it. Your call. I'm gonna. Yeah. I mean. Clemson and huge spreads, usually not a big fan of really anybody's, including the boosters and myself. Yeah. But, I mean, it's
1: the Citadel.
0: Now, we were saying the same thing about George Tech last year. You know, it's the Citadel. How
1: could you lose? I mean, but, yeah. You know. yeah, don't remind me. Yeah. Uh, picks of the week, Mike. Uh, you picked first last week to kick off the season. I'm going to pick first this week. I'm, I'm just going to take a couple liberties here, and I'm going to go ahead and take the under- under 50 and a half in the Pittsburgh Syracuse game. I feel like that is way too many points. Pittsburgh might have to do most of the scoring by themselves. I don't think they're going to be able to do it certainly with that Pittsburgh or the uh, Syracuse defense involved. So, give me under 50 and a half in that game. That is my pick of the week. Lock it in.
0: Nice. Nice. <sighs> Man. I, I've been laboring over this for a while. <laughs> I can tell. Wake Forest money line.
1: Whoa! That's a ballsy one.
0: Wake money line. NC State sucks.
1: Don't even need the points. Don't want them. Don't need them, but I'll take them. Poor Stephen Muma. <laughs> we need to get him back on here. We'll, well, hold on. We'll see how NC State does in this game, and then we'll get him back on here and see what he thinks.
0: I am I chuckle a little bit just because he knows every time he comes on to his podcast that he's in for the jokes, right? Oh, like, yeah. He knows he's in for it, yet he still jumps on and gives his analysis, and then he's like, oh, man, this team is actually probably pretty bad. <laughs> and he just openly says that. Yeah. So it's nice to just kind of remind him how bad NC State is. He's like, he doesn't really need to be reminded, but he always just kind of – we find
1: a way to kind of slip that in there just to let him know and just keep him on his toes. We all get worn down over time, Mike. It's, it's eventually it's, – it's That's just kind of right. Happen.
0: Yeah. I mean, the amount of audible size that he had in our, <laughs> re- in our uh, season preview, he was just like, well – uh, i don't know
1: when you put it that way uh yeah who's the
0: starting quarterback uh, i think it's gonna be devin leary i'm like okay well why devin leary he's like oh well he was just like no worse than anybody else last year okay what does he need to improve on ah uh, he needs to be more efficient for sure he didn't even complete
1: 50 percent of his passes last year
0: oh my god we're in the acc like what are we doing
1: yeah yeah, that, that was pretty much the essence of the whole thing. Um, it was, <laughs> let's let's see how the pack does this weekend. Let's see if they can take care of business at home and beat Wake Forest. And if not, we might see if we can sneak Stephen Muma on. Stephen Muma on for uh, like, yeah, maybe like 10 15 minutes to start the uh, recap episode.
0: Yeah. Hey, real quick thoughts on NC State? Go.
1: I don't know. I mean,. There's, I I mean, they could be, but maybe not. I don't know. It's it's hard to say, and there's new coaches. And, I mean, but if you look at Dave Dorn and his track record, and, but, like.
0: And then we get to the end of the podcast, he's like, you know what? They're just, they're bad. Like, maybe three minutes.
1: <laughs> I could do this all night. I'll, I could do this all night, Mike. I could do this all night. It, but at that point, it is getting late, and I'm like starting to slur my words. So that tells you what you need to what, what you need to know. Speaking of which, goodness, <laughs> what a mess! Okay, oh man, Mike, that's Joey,
0: Joey's kid. Uh, I was gonna say Joey's kid and Bourbon minus fourteen and a half over Joey <laughs> oh. at like mid at like midnight on Thursday. Now I guess Thursday morning. We started on Wednesday night. It's now Thursday morning. It's automatic
1: automatic yeah the kid woke us up at uh 2 30 in the morning yesterday and we had a battle of wits until four in the morning to see who would uh, cave first and he did but again it took two and a half hours or an hour and a half or whatever it was i don't know it's i'm on an alternate plane of existence at this point mike so it's fine we're good my betting advice is solid i promise
0: yeah, kids kids are not, kids
1: are hard from what I hear. So you have no idea. Anyways, uh that's all I got on week two. Anything else before we get out of here and watch some games? Nope. <laughs> nope. Okay, well, before any of this devolves any further, let's get out of here. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at I'm at F T R S Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel VT, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. You can send us an email with your questions. (laughs) Oh, what a mess! Uh, You can send us your, you can send us emails. (sighs) Mike, you just want to come back and talk about week two? It is done.
0: (laughs) Oh man! Send us an email if you like us.
1: What a train! Or if you if you like train
0: wrecks. this is is the podcast for
1: you we're on facebook itunes spotify wherever um yep you want to come back and recap week two mike yep all right let's do that until then from mr mike mcdaniel i am joey weaver thank you guys so much for listening enjoy week two we'll talk to you then and until then